And welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are closing out the week uh, with our guest, Eric Deutsch, from the Escape from New York Minute. Hey, Eric. Hello. Uh, excited that I, I survived the entire week. A stain did not get to me. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> You're an official agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We are, of course, looking at John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, and today we're hitting the three-digit mark. We're looking at Iron Man Minute 100. On today's show, the minute starts with Pepper asking Rhodey to please go over and check to see if everything's okay with Tony, and it ends with the start of a whistle from an old friend. Uh, this uh, this minute starts with some great intensity. We've got Pepper and the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, kind of a walking very briskly, I guess we'll say, out of the, uh, I'm assuming, the elevator area and into the parking garage as they kind of cut across. She wraps up her phone call with Rhodey, and uh, she's uh, followed by Agent Coulson and a number of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And apparently, I mean, I'm not one for expertise in, you know, law enforcement as a rule, but I have never met any sort of law enforcement or seen any law enforcement that would take the word of a subject of investigation when she says, I know a shortcut. <laughs> Wouldn't they probably be okay taking the lead on navigating the city? Maybe lights and sirens? I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Pepper, really, stay in your lane, okay? And well, what's funny is in the script, Agent Coulson actually says after after she says that he kind of looks to her and realizes, you know, she's got some intensity and and uh, goes with that. And actually, he says, I'll ride with her. And uh, <laughs> it's cute. It's charming. But and then okay. and then they what's funny is it says Coulson hurries over, jumps in and the Audi races off. The Crown Vicks try to keep up. <laughs> It's it's to show Pepper cares. She That's does. why we get that. It's all heart. All heart. I actually think they shot him saying that line. Because if you watch, after she says, I know a shortcut, and you see Agent Coulson look at her, he glances back to his men as he continues walking toward the, the Audi. I think that they just decided they didn't need that line. It probably didn't play very well. They realized how silly it was and, uh, and yeah. just moved past it. It's kind of clunky. It's a little clunky, yeah. In this scene, we have uh, five agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all credited as utility stunt players. We've talked about our utility stunt players quite a bit. Um, mostly, it was all during the cave. We had a lot of those guys. Again, these are actors who are, well, I should say they're stuntmen who really work as actors also. designed. Uh, the role is uh, designed around them and what they can do. And in this case, um, because you, I guess you have to figure these, these five people are probably going to be doing some heavy lifting later in the film. Uh, the five people we have are Paul Sklar, Jason Rodriguez, Daryl Reeves, David Castillo, and Keith Splinter Davis. They, uh, what's interesting, uh, you know, we are fans of Star Trek over here. I don't know about you, Eric. Are you a fan of Star Trek? Certain, certain versions of certain it. versions. Yeah. Certain iterations. <laughs> you would call yourself a fan. Yes. Um, Paul Sklar, are you, which are you a fan of the, uh, the next generation? Yes. Okay. Um, the, the film that they did, which is not one that is, I would say high on many people's lists, but it's, uh, I don't know, in recent rewatching, it wasn't as bad as I remembered. Star Trek Nemesis, 
we have uh, a bit at the beginning when uh, uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard and some of his men hop in a dune buggy and <laughs> race around on the desert trying to find... Oh, yes. Yes, you remember the famous dune buggy oh, scene. Oh, yes. yes. Paul Sklar, who is, if, you, if you're watching the minute, he is the agent who's like right behind Pepper. And then kind of, uh, he's kind of the last one in the group as he kind of uh, veers off. Um, he actually played Patrick Stewart's double, and he was the one who drove said dune buggy in that scene. He does have a very uh, determined look on his face. I, I think he could pull that off, yeah. And he has a, a, um, very lots of balding as well. Pull it off. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it working. I, I can buy into that. It's going to be very difficult for you guys to play the IMDb game with these utility stunt players. So I'm just going to rattle through them because I, I think it's interesting and I think it speaks to the nature of uh, of these people and what uh, you know what they end up uh, working on in these uh, in Marvel Universe and other ones. Paul Sklar, who I just mentioned, uh, he did stunts for Inception. Iron Man, I Am Legend, and The Dark Knight Rises. Those are the four films that IMDb says he is known for. We have David Castillo. The films that he's credited for, or that IMDb says he is known for, are Iron Man, Jurassic World, The Bourne Legacy, and Furious 7. All stunts again. Keith Splinter Davis, he is uh, known for Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Iron Man, and The Book of Eli. It's nice to see uh, he's getting into more of the other Marvel properties. Daryl Reeves, uh, his uh, IMDb list is Iron Man, The Dark Knight Rises, Planet Terror, and Grindhouse, I guess, just as its own separate project. That's cool. That's good. I mean, all of these guys, I mean, you know, we don't have anybody yet who says, never been on a film, first time. <laughs> Right. He's a new kid. Yeah, you look at these guys and they they do a lot of stunt work. These guys keep very busy and it makes you realize how important the world of stunts is in films still to this day even with all the digital work that is still happening. There's still so much actual stunt work happening. And the last one we have is Jason Rodriguez again for all stunts, The Last Castle, Iron Man, The Kingdom and Cowboys and Aliens. So another uh, another John Favreau film. I think it's funny. He was also the stunt coordinator for the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I never saw it. <laughs> it's the one where they go up to the human world and yeah, Antonio the Banderas thing. is a pirate. So I guess yeah. initially I was like, why do they need a stunt coordinator for the SpongeBob movie? But uh, I take it all back. It makes sense now. Uh, we, we get, we'll, we'll find a way to get that on the show. Yes, right. So there you go. Those are our agents of Shield. We're going to be uh, following these guys around for the next uh, next few minutes. So it'll be interesting to see um, what they uh, how they end up uh, working out and helping Agent Coulson as he uh, works to stop uh, stop old Obadiah. So Andy, we haven't seen these guys before. They aren't you know these nope. background reused. You know, I mean, it's entirely possible that they were somewhere in the background in the desert. I, I it's hard to say, but I doubt it since these five are pretty specific and will be pretty specific. I don't think that they'd want to reuse them in that way. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, we got uh, a nice steady cam or jib move kind of come across the floor as they walk across with great resolve, uh, you know, really kind of moving us forward, getting ready to kind of kick into a little more action in this. Uh, and, you know, we're building to the climax here. You can tell the way that things are happening and moving. Well, and I really like the Abbey Road framing of 
this particular shot to. <laughs> All of them walking <laughs> in unison across the street. Uh, through the parking garage with their... Through the parking garage, right. 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 Uh, we cut from that. We go back to Rhodey as he's uh, in his uh, fake driving scene. And then we get to see uh, we get to see a shot of the, the vehicle that he's driving as he makes a corner... It is a uh, a black Dodge Ram fifteen hundred license plate California seven Y nine zero seven one eight. Looking that up, it does not show as registered. So I'm assuming this, this is one of those <laughs> Hollywood license plates that I, I'm sure we could probably find in other films if we if we looked deep enough. It's registered to the guy whose phone number is five 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 one two one two. It's weird. The um, I don't I don't know. Do you guys have anything else about uh, the the short scene with uh, Pepper or the even shorter scene with Rhodey? Uh, well, just as a huge fan of Agents of Shield, I was just excited to have any minute this week with Coulson appearing on. That's the right. You wanted to talk a little bit about Agent Coulson. Do you have anything specific, or are you just uh, is it just the the excitement to have him being part of this? Yeah, it was more just my uh, excitement man crush that I have on him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I. Uh, what is he's, it? He's a great character. Yeah. What is it that's so compelling yeah. about him? He's. I am well, right you know, with you. Like, but yeah. How do you describe that? I don't know. I mean, and it's you know, when it was just the movies. I mean, when he was the supporting character in those first few Marvel movies, he just you know he had this sort of he walked around with this you know smirk, and he was Fury's right hand man, and he was just this likable guy, you know, uh, and. Uh, Spoilers for a few movies from now in your show, his, you know, unfortunate uh, supposed demise, you know, I mean, I remember in the movie theater, everyone was like, <gasps> you know, I mean, it really was a bummer. You know, he yeah. really was a character that you want that you didn't want to see killed off. Uh, and um, now after watching him for six years as the star of uh, five years, six years, uh, what, uh, yeah, six going years. into season six, right? Yeah. Uh, as the star of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, it's just. You know, he's really great on that show. You know, he just he has a great attitude and, you know, he, he kicks butt and um, he really is the you know, it's an ensemble show. But, you know, he's the lead and he's just he's really a great character. He really is. And it was fun to see him come back. This is, I think, might be the first recording we've done after Captain Marvel has opened. And it was great uh, seeing him pop up in there again. Have you a ch had the chance to yep, see him there? Absolutely. Yes, yes, I absolutely did. Uh, there was a bit of an uncanny valley with the de-aging, um, but uh, other than that, yeah, it was great seeing him in there. I, I, I'm such an apologist for, for Clark Gred. You could do whatever you want with him on the de-aging, aging, <laughs> max aging. I like the guy. He's well, like, that's not his fault. Yeah, you know, that's right? the CGI people. And he's totally on my list. Like, it, it didn't take long for him to be on my list of, like, Pete's best friends who haven't met him yet. Like, <laughs> we would be awesome together, me and Clark Gregg. I mean, we'd go to ball games. I think it would be just great. He is fantastic. And it's so, I just, I find his story within this, uh, this franchise so interesting, the way that he was originally just brought in as this agent. And because he just clicked in the role and worked well in the scenes, they just like, oh, well, let's give him more. And they kept giving him more. And he became this character that's like driving a TV show now. It's amazing to me that it uh, ran that way. He's not a guy who you would imagine uh, giving a TV show to just naturally. And he just owns it. He's just so good. Right. Right. We, we have a great transition. I, I love the transition, actually, from the car peeling around the corner that that roadie is driving to uh, with the camera kind of swinging from right to left and as we get that motion we cut on the motion 
of Robert Downey Jr. now in his elevator in his house as, as he kind of moves in that same direction and slams into the wall. It's it's such a nice transition to bring us back to Tony. I love that. And we end up in his elevator. This is this is actually, we knew there was an elevator. Uh, Pepper took the elevator earlier, which we assumed was from maybe his bedroom down into his workshop, kind of a quick and easy way to kind of get down there. I'm assuming it stops in other floors because obviously he's, uh, or in other, I, I don't know where he goes, but he goes from the living room to wherever the elevator is, hops in it, and uh, and takes it down to his workshop. It's uh, it's nice to finally get to see this area. My wife does uh, property management, and I asked her about this elevator. I said, what do you think of the paneling in this elevator? How expensive do you think it is? And she looked at it, and she's like, oh, this would be at least $20,000 to get that paneling done for that that space. So um, it's it's nice paneling. It's very nice, expensive elevator paneling. Just what you'd expect for Tony to have in his house. Yeah, he spares no expense. Spares no expense, even in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a funny turn. I mean, we get to see some that hallway. Um, the the what is the poster? Edward Rusha. So uh, I I did some digging trying to figure out what this poster was. You can hardly see it because Tony's going by it so fast. And again, this is the only time we're ever in this tiny lobby down at the end of his workshop. We passed this poster so quickly. It's Edward Rusha, who is an artist who I didn't know I loved, but I've seen his work before and I've always enjoyed it. I just didn't know it was his. Edward Rusha is the artist and the paint or the poster that we see here is actually from an exhibit that when when his art was displaying at a an art gallery in Rotterdam it is the uh, Rotterdam it is the Museum Boymans van Buniken I'm completely butchering that I'm sure uh, Rotterdam from March 4th through April 22nd 1990 and the piece of art that we see here it says Oldsmobile but it's just called Olds and uh that is that is his artwork there he does a lot of art that is it's words he he positions words in a lot of interesting ways on backgrounds and stuff and it's very kind of this pop art stuff. And and they say, to understand Rusha's work, one must see the metropolis of Los Angeles as defined by the automobile and by urban signage. It very much has that sensibility. So that's the art poster that we pass by very quickly. It's very cool. And uh, it, it strikes me that I don't think we mentioned we get a really great front shot of Tony where we get to see where the RT device plugs in inside his chest. I think that's a new angle, right? We have never seen that. When when Pepper was swapping the RT devices, we never quite got an angle where you could actually look down into this cavern in his chest, which is shocking when you see this. And of course, it's just completely, it has to be digital. There's no way that it could be anything but, although I can only imagine mm -hmm. how complicated it was to do this digital work with handheld camera. But yeah, you're staring down, especially when it gets out of the elevator. You're looking like right down the barrel, right into the bottom of this thing. It's um, uh, I don't know. That's a that's a hole. That uh... <laughs> that's a hole. <laughs> Think of all the uh, the displacement of lungs and bones and things that go there. Like what is? Where's his sternum? What are his ribs yeah. tied to? The 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 spacing of this thing really. The 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 uh, the. The other movie that it makes me think of is the famous two weeks scene in Total Recall 
when Schwarzenegger is taking the 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 fake woman's helmet off him, and he <laughs> he presses the button, and the ear pipe sticks out of his head with the uh, of the mask with a pole. And the pole just coming out is just way too long for a mask that Schwarzenegger. I mean, it just looks yeah. like the pole would have been halfway through Schwarzenegger's head to be that long. That's the other movie uh, scene that I think when I see this. This just it just does not work for me. This gigantic space in his the middle of his chest. Yeah, there's something about it that's just wrong. I thought you were going to go to the uh, the giant ball that he pulls out of his brain through his nostril. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that more than I believe this. <laughs> if you want it out of your nose that bad, oof, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so funny. We talked about this quite a bit when uh, when he's doing the the whole swap and just looking at this. When you really get to look down in it, it's like it just makes no physical sense. <laughs> also, the 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 shirt, the 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 hole that's around the thing on the shirt is not the perfect circle. It was right uh, when stain burned through. Now it's an oval for some reason around his shirt. Uh, uh, the hole. Yeah, it's all over the place yeah. now. And yeah. I don't know if it's like stretched from sweat or him leaning on it or what. But. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's been ripped in any new way. It's it's like a really nice curved oval. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strangely yeah. shaped all of a sudden. Very odd. But he does manage to get out of this elevator lobby. It's uh, we we get to see Tony kind of power through. He opens the door, and then you get again. We've talked about this way early in the show. He sees across his workshop. He sees the uh, the beautifully lit other RT device in the case that that Pepper gave to him, and we get a Sam Raimi crash zoom. This is uh, something that we saw early on in the film when he saw the missile land next to him before he gets blown up. And there's another point that we had kind of a Sam Raimi crash zoom. I can't remember where it was, but again, it feels very much kind of like that POV comic booky sort of thing to kind of have this crash zoom in on the device. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of that, Eric? Do you like that that way that that kind of plays right there? Yeah, I love it. I, I was it was one of my notes for this. I, it's it's an absolutely great zoom in. It shows that you're seeing what his perspective is at that is uh, at that moment. Do you feel like it? Uh, do you feel like it is a nod from Favreau to Sam Raimi, who at this point was still kind of in the middle of uh, the Spider Man films? Um. And I mean, I feel like it's very much kind of a, a comic booky sort of nod, like tip of the hat. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I guess Raimi is, had finished with Spider-Man 3 the year before. I was um, thinking it was after this one, but it was just the year before. I don't know. I, I like to think that there's a little tip of the hat, like, you know, as Raimi has a very defined style with his work and he loves his crash zooms. They're all over his films. And I feel like in a weird way, it was kind of, I, I don't know if it was a tip of the hat or just Favreau saying, oh, let's do that. Because Raimi did it a lot when when he was doing Spider-Man and it creates kind of this comic booky sort of feel in the film. I like it. I think it's a nice texture and it's not overused here. So when it does happen, it's uh, it, it's. It, I think in this case with what with the, the, you know, underlying sound feel the heartbeat going on in the background it just adds uh it adds a nice bit of tension um that that for me i think it works i don't think it's overkill i didn't think so either i just wanted to make sure that i wasn't uh i wasn't the only one <laughs> <laughs> you are not alone oh good in that shot i do want to point this out um 
because it may play in before the crash zoom in on the RT device. If you look carefully on the right of that table and kind of there's that column divide, or I think it's actually his light that's the broken light that he shot with his RT device still hanging straight down. Just to the right of that, if you look carefully, you can see dummy kind of in, I'm assuming it's like power down mode, just kind of sitting there off to the right of the snap-on table. That's, uh, no, not on the table. No, not on the table. He's, he's next right, to the there table. There he is. You I can see him see, right yeah. next to the table. Yeah. There he is. He's snoozing. Like next to the red thing? He's kind of like just immediately behind that red thing. Okay. There's, that, there's yeah. a diagonal beam and then yes. there's the light. He's kind of in that triangle wedge between yeah, those Yeah, I see two. it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Just kind of sitting there conveniently. <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's dummy. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> And title. Uh, it's on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Got to use it. Uh, uh, we see Tony crawl past his hot rod, which has the license plate Stark 5. Um, and now I have to ask you guys this question. He, There's a creeper right there, uh, like the, the automobile creeper. Why in God's name would he push that out of the way and not hop on it and <laughs> right across the floor <laughs> on it? <laughs> This has always bugged me. <laughs> well, the reason that I have no answer for your question is because I have the same exact question written down on my notes. What, what, dude, get on that and wheel yourself across the room. <laughs> Not only will you get there faster, exhibit one, number two, you're actually going to have the height you need to grab the thing you're looking for. <laughs> right. He tries to get on just a just a like a crate, like a plastic uh, crate. And I'm like, this that's not going <laughs> to <that's>... crumbles <laughs> uh, when you're going through cardiac arrest. I suppose you don't necessarily make all the best decisions. Slightly <laughs> delirious. We're going to give him that. I don't know. It's Tony Stark. Uh, yeah, right. You'd think that he would know creeper equals moving faster. <laughs> we suffer no fools here at the Marvel Movie Minute. But the minute here does end on a note that I think works really nicely. You get him struggling, trying to get this uh, the RT device still in its frame, proof that Tony Stark has a heart, unable to, and collapses backward and uh, is just laying there on the floor, presumably dying. It feels really nice. It's a nice way to kind of have a cliffhanger and uh, and kind of build into something that's going to happen. And we get that great sound effect, which I think um, or the start of a sound effect right here, right? Well, that's the big cliffhanger sound effect. What could it be? I have no idea. It sounds familiar, but from where? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, when I when I rewatched the movie last week to prepare, I, I stopped the movie after this minute, so I wouldn't know what happens <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> I won't watch anymore. You're a real <laughs> team player, Eric. I like how you think. <laughs> you just watch one minute per day, just to guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's that's dedication right there. The other note I had was I love how we've got this music building through this, but also they build in a heart heartbeat effect that kind of gives you the sense of this um, the situation that Tony's in. It's a nice uh, subtle little ad that we get, which I think works really well. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. And then my last note that I had was, um, boy, in the script, this was really easy for Tony. <laughs> was super super easy he he goes into his uh his basement and uh he is it's it's like this is it he 
Tony on fumes pulls himself up a shelving system. It topples spilling items, including the lucite encased heart pepper gave him. He crawls to it, smashes it open, close on Tony, lifting the glowing chess piece. That's it. It was right there hmm. in the living room. He didn't even have to go into the basement. Oh, there was no elevator. There was no potential falling downstairs. Yeah. There was no creeper. Yeah. Huh. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I like that they built the tension here. I think it helps quite a bit. Well, any last thoughts on uh, this minute, you guys? Uh, I did not. I, you know, I just think this last frame of him, he's, he's, I don't know, would you say he's decidedly uh, even more gray than he was two minutes ago? <laughs> he's now, his skin is now practically the same color as his shirt. Yeah, I mean, he definitely seems to be descending in the grayscale. Yeah. It, uh, in the grayscale. And he's sweaty now, which I think is all, I mean, it's all just really scary and yeah it's good i mean i think he just he looks like he's that i think is what i want to get to he looks like he is undergoing the trauma that he's experiencing yeah that feels that feels good to me i i buy it well good we'll write john favreau a letter we bought it (laughs) love andy Well, Eric, on this show, uh, when we get to the end of the week, we'd like to find out a little bit more about you, your your Marvel history with the comics, with the movies. Uh, how did you uh, fall into all of this? Uh, I have been a Marvel comic collector since I was a kid. Um, I was maybe eight or nine when I bought my first Marvel comic. It was an amazing Spider-Man issue, and then uh, that was my gateway issue uh it <laughs> opened up everything to me i uh i collected comp marvel comics all through junior high school and high school um i never collected iron man uh, i was more of spider-man and the avengers and a lot of the mutant and x-men books um so i knew iron man from when from the various limited series that would come out like secret wars and or when iron man would pop up in, in a an issue of spider-man or something like that um, I collected the main Avengers, which by the time I was reading them, Iron Man wasn't in them anymore. He had moved over to the West Coast Avengers, which I didn't collect. So I I mostly, you know, knew him from various occasional guest appearances and stuff like that. And then it's actually Secret Wars. It's Rhodey who's Iron Man in Secret Wars. It's not even Tony Stark. Yeah, right. Um, so so I've, I've always been a Marvel guy. Uh, I've always, even once I stopped collecting, I always sort of read along the internet and just to keep up on what goes on in, in the world of Marvel comics. Uh, so I've, uh, been a big Marvel head, uh, since I'm in my, uh, early to mid forties now. Uh, so, you know, these last 10 years, seeing all these comics that I read growing up come to life, which I never thought would happen. It's, it's really been amazing. Have you been, uh, I mean, even before these films started with Iron Man, I mean, were you already on board with all the Spider-Man movies and the, the X-Men movies? Yeah, uh, I love Raimi's trilogy. I, I think uh, I even like the third one, which wow. gets, doesn't get a lot one, of. Huh? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's got a lot of flaws, but you know, I I, I still like it. Uh, the first two are two of the best comic book movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I love the first. The first two X Men again are great movies. It's unfortunate that it kind of went downhill after that. Um, I'm very. I, I believe the day that we're recording this, uh, I believe at midnight tomorrow uh the disney fox deal officially goes through uh so i'm very excited to see marvel get uh the x-men and the fantastic four because uh the fantastic four movies have been really bad and the x-men movies have have not been good for a while so uh the mcu i uh i love it 
Um, I see every movie in the theater. Uh, even though I wasn't a big Iron Man fan from the comics, I was still excited that they were making this movie. And because this movie came out, you know, before it was kind of right before internet spoilers sort of started becoming a much bigger deal and videos and, and image captures started showing up a week before the, the movie came out. I had no inkling at all about the post credit scene of this movie when I saw Iron Man. And when I heard the word Avengers spoken out loud, not knowing that that was going to happen, <laughs> I, I completely lost it. I just, you know, it, it was like I was 12 years old again. I was like, wow, why did this? I, 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 do you know what this means? You know, just, <laughs> That's awesome. That is that was the great nerd cry of 2008. Yeah, it really right? was. Do you yeah. know what this means? <laughs> Well, now here's a question I haven't asked anybody before. It, as somebody who was such a fan, if I mean, aside from the ones that had already ma- they'd made films of, what would you have picked if it wasn't Iron Man? What would you have said? Oh, this would be the perfect one to kind of kick this off with. Honestly, I would have thought Captain America would have been the first choice. Oh, um, okay. I think just you know, I know you know, Spider Man is obviously the most well known, most popular Marvel character, but within the marvel comic continuity captain america is he's the guy you know he he he's the one that everyone turns to he's the the pinnacle you know he's the one who over the years has various times has led the avengers um i would have thought he would have been the first one especially just because his story starts in the past so you think okay start with his story have him be sort of the first super superhero during world war ii he gets frozen and then when he wakes up he wakes up and, you know, suddenly there's all these other superheroes. Do you think that there's something about the time where that kind of overt patriotism would have, if that was the first one, it would have been received as like, oh, that was a little like, you know, uh, heavy handed preachy sort of. Do you think that was, was part of the reason why they didn't go that route? Because I agree. It seems like that would have been. Uh, one that would have made a lot of sense. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I know that they subtitled it the first Avenger um, specifically to offset a bit of that, uh, having it be just Captain America to sell it in the overseas markets. I remember them making a big deal about that. I'm trying to remember. So it went, it went, what it was Iron Man, then Iron Man two, then Thor, then Captain America. Was that the sequence? Yeah. And the right? incredible Hulk thrown in there. Oh, right. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to forget that one. Um, <laughs> You guys are doing that one next, right? That's, we are. That, oh, 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 you guys are saints for handle tackling that one. I enjoy um, that one. I think oh, it's actually you, okay. a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm sure it'll be fun to talk to with a lot of people who don't like it. <laughs> that is the absolute last one on my list of MCU movies. <laughs> and I don't think that's an uncommon opinion. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, so, you know, I, it's interesting that they left, ended up leaving him for last before they came out with the Avengers. Um, right, yeah. You know, Iron Man was not, I mean, I'm sure, I know you guys have talked about this before, so I don't want to be redundant, but, you know, Iron Man was not really known outside of comic book readers, so it just, it's interesting that this was the one Marvel chose. I mean, even the Hulk was, you know, because of the TV show from the 70s and 80s, and he had already had that that, that another bad movie by Ang Lee, <laughs> right? The TV movie, yeah, and the TV movie too. Oh, and the, all that. the TV movies, right? So, but I mean, he, you know, everybody knows who the Hulk is. I mean, the name right. recognition is built in. Iron Man you know, is more obscure. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one to start with. 
what would you, how would you rank your films uh, of the MCU? Um, not necessarily all 21 of them, but uh, right. as many as you can. What would you, like starting at the, well, we know uh, we know the Incredible Hulk's at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking at the top, well, how would you work down from the top? Uh, so uh, Infinity War to me is, that is the movie that I had dreams about as a kid if they ever were to make a comic book movie. It's incredible that I could be in my 40s and have a movie completely blow me away and have a reaction to a movie like that. Um, I think it is, it's one of my top 10 movies of all time. I think it's amazingly acted. The story is great. Even though I had read Infinity Gauntlet as a kid, so obviously I knew what was going to happen at the end, it still blew me away. Uh, I think it is just a phenomenal movie. I can't imagine ever watching a comic book movie again that, even Endgame, which has not is coming out soon as we record this, I can't even imagine even the Endgame is going to uh, uh, impact me the way Infinity War did. As a series, I like Captain America as as, as my favorite series among the movies. Uh, I think they've just been the most consistent. Civil War is a great movie. The Winter Soldier is a great movie. So I think those are uh, as as looking at all the various trilogies and series. That's my favorite series. Other than that. I really, this is one of my favorites, even though, I mean, you know, it's first one, it's still one of my top ones. I'm really disappointed with Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3, because those are both kind of near the bottom for me, uh, and it's just disappointing that this first one, to me, was so great, and I really just wasn't into the other two. That's another one that seems seems kind of common for the, yeah. uh, the other Iron Man. Uh, well, I don't know, Iron Man 2 seems pretty low on most people's list. Iron mm-hmm. Man 3 seems a, like a divisive one. That'll mm. be an interesting one to have more conversations about because there are some people, I, we've had some people on the show who said it's their favorite of, of all of the hmm. MCU. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Oh, and Ragnarok, I had him in Ragnarok, just, you know, after the disappointment to me of the first two Thors, Ragnarok was just awesome. <laughs> it was a fun ride. It was yeah. definitely a fun ride. I feel like I am looking forward to doing uh, The Incredible Hulk uh, at this point more than Thor 1 and 2. If that mm. says anything, I I really I just felt like they were such a downer and and uh, uh, just didn't really fit the overall tone and tenor of the series that had been building. And and uh, I, I'm I'm with you. Ragnarok was exceptional. And it's a weird thing to watch Iron Man 2 and 3 be, um, you know, uh, in just in their place in the overall sort of history of the MCU or the development of the MCU to watch momentum slide a little bit. That was an interesting, it's an interesting thing. The gift of hindsight has, has mm-hmm. given us to watch, um, watch how those movies uh, performed in sort of cultural history. Well, I also have to say that when you guys announced on Facebook, that you were going to be doing this project. Um, I was just, you know, completely in awe that someone would actually tackle such an uh, incredibly Mount Everest-sized task, because, you know, if, if I felt like if I had completely lost my mind, I would say, I'm going to do Marvel movies by the minute. Um, I'm on my second movie by minute, and I'm already like, why did I do a second one? Uh, you, I, you know, you guys are impressive. You know, I, I, I look forward to 20 years from now still listening to you guys as you finally make it to like Iron Man 17 or whatever. Uh, you guys got, I've got guts taking this on, man. I, I salute you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Uh, uh, all the all the pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in about twenty years. Oh man! Well, Eric, thanks so much. Uh, we had a great conversation with you all week. It's been lovely chatting with you about Iron Man. No, thank thanks for having me on. As I as I said in the previous minute, I've uh, 
listening to the show. I like the show. I'm very happy to be on. Glad you guys had me on. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, Pete, thanks for joining me for the last part of the week. It's just another Friday anymore, (laughs) isn't it, Andy? Just another Friday, another minute. Indeed. Well, we've cracked the 100-minute mark. We'll be back uh, next week with 101. Um, That is it, everybody, for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers. Bye.